playing anything. Would you like some lemon grass? Please, yeah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Um, delighted to be back here and um, thank you Rayana for arranging this and inviting all of you. Thank you for coming here and sacrificing your Tuesdays. Um, inshallah the intention is to start a journey together. I don't know how long it's going to take for us to finish but the intention is to learn about the life of our beloved Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, and how his life connects with our lives. Because often we feel like, oh, he lived more than 1,400 years ago. What can we learn from his life? There's no point. It's such a different time now. Um, and a lot of Sira books that have been written have been written from the perspective of just factual chronological um, research you know and I didn't want to make it just that I wanted to try to take it a step uh, further by connecting seerah to our lives and seerah Arabi, comes from seir which is literally a, a journey right so the seerah of the Prophet is a journey what are the intentions behind this the intention is number one to get a glimpse of who he was as a prophet and what he went through and what kind of a person he was and how we are connected to him, what he thought about us, what he did for us so that eventually we can reach a stage, a stage where we would actually feel genuine love for him. Yani, um, a lot of us on a shallow level when we were asked do you love Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him we all say yes right but deep down inside how true is that how deep is that love um, every one of us has a different answer right and we all I think can agree that we can work on improving this relationship with him Although we have not seen him, although we have not lived with him like the companions have, but thanks to our scholars and the efforts of all the historians, we have glimpses of some of his life to appreciate from. And on top of historical references to his life, we also have the Quran, which also is pretty much a dialogue between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, and the Quran actually came to us through who? Through the blessed tongue of the Prophet, you know, uh, it was stored in his heart, it was memorized in his heart, and it came out of his blessed tongue and was heard and was memorized and was recorded and was transmitted literally word by word till today. For the Quran, you hear are actually words that came out first and foremost from the tongue of our beloved Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him you know so why study his life 
Of course, number one, because as uh, Muslims, several pillars of Islam are related to him, right? There's a link between him, like especially Shahada, right? What is, what is the first pillar of Islam? Shahadatain, they call it, yeah? Which is what? Exactly, yeah? Shahadatain. Our Islam is actually not complete without bearing witness that Muhammad, peace be upon him, was a prophet of God. Ooh, uh, same with Salah, like, I mean, how, do we, how did we learn how to pray? But how though? Where is it like written? Not really actually. If you try to research hadith about how to pray, you won't find much. Who knows how Salah has been like has reached us? Mm. Yeah. So literally Salah has been taught to us uh, through tradition. Like People saw the Prophet praying and they prayed like that and then their children saw their parents praying like that and so on and so forth. So it's literally taught visually by practice and our children learn the same way, don't they? They see the parents praying and then they imitate and copy. And so that's really the chain of transmission for prayer. Same thing with fasting, hajj, zakah, all of it. Like all of Islam has been taught to us by the Prophet because he was the teacher. Uh, similar to how like in school the chemistry book was never enough right it, it used to be my like worst subject I don't know about you guys but chemistry is such a like dry subject if the teacher had had only given you the textbook without going over the the, the content and the curriculum and and taught it in a creative way it would have been very difficult to pass the exam correct or no so you need the theory as well as the practical, صح? The theory for us is the Qur'an. What's the practical? It's the Prophet's way of life, his, which we call the Sunnah. And um, we live in times where like, a lot of people actually have kind of neglected the Sunnah and we think that the Qur'an is enough. And that the Qur'an is preserved as the Word of God and so it's more credible, it's more authentic. Whereas Sunnah, it's, it has been transmitted by man. There may be areas of distortion and changes. And so we kind of lost interest in, in Sunnah. But what I intend to do with this series is to bring back the importance of Sunnah into the life of uh, our practical life. You know? Not just from a worship and uh, ibadah perspective, but also from an Iman perspective. So, it is also one of the pillars of Iman. How many pillars of Iman are there? There's six actually. Al Iman Billahi wa Malaikatihi wa Kutubihi wa Rusulihi wa Yawm al Akhir wa Qadr Khayrihi wa Sharra. Right? So, six. So Iman bin Rusul is, is pretty much a fundamental aspect of this. And if you, can, if you take the angels, Rusul and Kutub, these three are actually one family, right? Risala. So you can actually summarize Iman as three, three pillars. Iman Billah, Iman bin Risala, and Iman bil Akhirah. Right? 
So it's, it's fundamental even for our Iman. And then like I said, Aisha anha described the Prophet Who was Aisha anha? His, his wife, his second wife. Um, and she spent a lot of time with him. And she saw aspects of his character that normal people would not see, right? Because she's with him in the house, she's with him in, in the bed. There's a lot of intimate things that happen in, in, the, in the house that's, that, that's very private. And so I always say this, if you really want to know who I am, who should you ask? Yeah, my wife would tell you like exactly who I am. Yeah, it's very easy to come here and impress you guys with one hour of a talk. Best. If you want to know really what kind of person Samar is, ask his wife. Yeah, because they really know who we truly are. And so she described him as a walking Quran. Literally. Can you imagine that? Like a human being embodying all the qualities of the Quran. It's incredible, really, you know. Difficult to imagine, hatta, right? How perfect his character was. And he said, He said, the best of you is the one who is best to his family. And I am the best to my family, you know, so really, really high standard of character. And of course, role models, like what's the importance of role models in our lives? Mm. Exactly. We copy them. We aim to be as good as they are. And uh, does every single one of us have a role model in our life? What do you think? Yes? Give me examples, like, and be honest. Honestly, I feel like role models are usually what we consume now, like the internet, social media. Exactly, yeah. So that's like, can be seen as like, depending on who it is, like, yes. what it is, whether exactly. it's shallow or deep. Yeah, yeah. It's on all sides. Exactly, so it can be an, an artist, a singer, um, uh, a writer, um, a philosopher, it can be an athlete. can be your mother or your father it can be many different personalities like as human beings we long for a role model we all naturally want to follow someone you know and so that's why the Prophet's role was to fill that void that gap with with the ultimate standard with the with the best role model in all aspects. As a father, he's our role model. As a leader, as a teacher, as a husband, you name it. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that verily in the Prophet you have the best example, the best role model. And especially in, in our times, right? We need like good role models, right? Because we live in times where like 
morality is being questioned and what used to be wrong 30 years ago has, be has now all of a sudden become right and okay and this causes confusion, it causes doubt, it causes social disruption. Best the example of the Prophet is thabit, it's like it's fixed, you know, and it's it's the best. That's why and, and by the way, in Surah Al Fatiha there is a hint to the fact that we need role models from the past. Who can tell me what's the hint in Surah Al Fatiha? Mm. Salat al ladina ahdina salat al-mustaqim, salat al ladina an'amta alayhim. Oh Allah, guide us to the straight path. Which path? The path of those who were blessed in the past. An'amta alayhim. It's a past form. Why should we take past role models from the past and not the present? But why not take someone from the present? Um, we'll, we'll study about this. Back then, there were a lot of uh, problems also. Jahiliya was filled with issues and problems. Let's think about it. Why did Allah ask us in Surah Al-Fatiha to follow the path of those who came before us, those who were blessed before? Why past? Why not living? So there were uh, there were issues back then also. Yeah. What else can be the issue? They were closer to the Rasul. Good. Okay. So they were there first hand. Mm-hmm. What else? Is it because the um, message has always been Islam? Mm-hmm. And there has always been all the prophets were preaching Islam. Yes. Yes, all of you are, are correct to some extent. What I was referring to is the fact that living people can change. You can have a role model in this life, mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden you hear some news about them doing something crazy. And all of a sudden, your heart breaks. How can this person do such a thing? Right? Yeah. They've, they've been stamped. They've graduated. It's done. It's a done deal. It's written in, in history. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the Prophet Verily you are on the best character. Khuluq means character. And we talk about akhlaq these days, right? Like people don't have manners, people don't care, they're not compassionate, they're not kind, they're not considerate, not sympathetic, rude, racist, arrogant, so much envy, so much hatred, so much backbiting. These are all issues about akhlaq, right? And the Prophet ﷺ, Allah is testifying that He is on the best 
form of character. Is that something special or no? Pretty special, yes. And of course, also study, studying his life because he is the seal of the prophets. Allah calls him Khatam and Nabiyin, the seal, yani khalas, the final prophet. And uh, what's unique about his message is that it was for all of humanity. How many prophets did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send throughout humanity, throughout history? Yeah, hundreds of thousands. Actually, in one hadith, 124,000 prophets and messengers sent to different people, different times, different languages, teaching what? Islam, the same message every single time. But then, what would happen was after every prophet would be sent, what would happen to the message? It would get distorted and changed. And so Allah had to send another prophet, another messenger, and it would be distorted. And He would send another prophet. Until, خلاص, with Muhammad Allah decided that He will be the final prophet, no prophet after Him. And uh, he will be given a book that will be preserved till the end of time. And that's the miracle of the Qur'an. And so was his life and his sunnah preserved in a very, very methodological manner with the proper science to preserve the sunnah of the Prophet Yes, there are a lot of ahadith, da'ifa and mawdu'a and all sorts of stuff, but I don't want to get into those technicalities. There's tens of thousands of Sahih hadith that everyone agrees upon, you know, so let's leave out the differences. We have enough to uh, work with yani 60,000 hadiths, pretty, pretty vast and, and very, very much filled with wisdom and, and beauty. And then I love this hadith where the Prophet gives an example of, let's read it, the parable of myself, this is the Prophet speaking. The parable of myself, yeah, the example of myself and the prophets before me is that of a man who built a house, perfected it and beautified it except for the place of one brick or at its cornerstone. Except for one final brick. The people walk around it and are amazed by it and they say, why is this brick not placed? He says, Thus, I am the brick and I am the seal of the prophets. He's giving the example of Islam. Islam is that building, that wonderful, beautiful building that has been built over time with the coming of different prophets. His role was just the final prophet to fill, to fill that final cornerstone to perfect this entire deen. That's why Allah says in the Quran, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ وَأَتْمَمْتُ عَلَيْكُمْ نِعْمَتِي وَرَضِيتُ لَكُمُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينًا So notice the word أَكْمَلْتُ, what does it mean? Completed. That means it was, it was not, yani, the Prophet, a lot of people think he came up with a new religion. He didn't. He just completed what was uh, built by the Prophets before him. And just to emphasize this, so we're all on the same page. So, because there is this concept of hijacked Islam versus true Islam. Or hijacked religion in general, right? Religion has been hijacked over the years. For, to simplify this, there is... Allah's way of teaching humanity through prophets. So uh, the first prophet was who? Adam salam. What message was he preaching? True Islam, yeah. True Islam. Let's call it true Islam. 
okay? The simple message of Tawheed, La ilaha illallah, okay? And then, many, many years later, Nuh came. What message was he preaching? The same message. Many, many years later, the flood happened and then Ibrahim came and he preached what? The same message, okay? And then after Ibrahim Allahu alam by how many years, it could be very possible that religions started coming up by man. Religions like Hinduism, Buddhism. Why do I mention these two? Because there is one study and research done, and, and a lot of scholars have referred to this, is that the uh, Hindu personality Brahma in the Hindu tradition was actually Ibrahim himself, salam. So it could be that it is the same person and... It's not a coincidence that Brahma's wife was Saraswati and Ibrahim's wife was Sarah. You know? So maybe Hinduism came out after Ibrahim السلام, passed away. And so Allah had to send another prophet. Many, many years later, Musa السلام, was sent with the same message of true Islam. After Musa السلام, died, and by the way, Musa السلام, was sent to who? Israel. Bani Israel, exactly. Specific group of people in a specific language. After he passes away, the people distort the message from true Islam and a new religion is hijacked and it's called Judaism. And so now Allah has to send another prophet, Isa sent to the same people, Bani Israel. He preaches Tawheed, La ilaha illallah, and he even tells his people that Rasulan yati min ba'di ismuhu Ahmed. He tells his people, and it's mentioned in the Bible and the Torah that there will come a prophet named Ahmed, which is one of the names of our Prophet Muhammad but uh, of course, after he dies, uh, and did he die, by the way? No, he didn't die. Allah raised him, right? So he hasn't died yet. He will come back to life before the Day of Judgment. But then another religion was hijacked. They called it Christianity. And so there was a deviance from the true message. And so finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had to send Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, to bring humanity this time, not just the Arabs, not just Ben Israel, but all of humanity, back to the true Islam. And then he was given the Quran. But then again, history repeats itself. صح? What did people do? Distorted Islam also. So you, you have a hijacked version of Islam today, which preaches intolerance and hatred and judgment and bloodshed and violence and extremism and fear and anger. You guys know what I'm talking about? But the beauty of going back to the two sources, the Qur'an and the Sunnah, is that it will always bring you back to the balanced way of true Islam, which is a beautiful deen of compassion, mercy, love, kindness, service for all of humanity. You know? And it's a very beautiful thing. So is this slide clear? Yes? I thought it's a good good uh, place to start and you know I also love this example of the tree so I want you to imagine all the 124,000 prophets that were sent they were like these roots many many roots and then you have some big bigger roots closer to the main trunk right you can call those may maybe you know, Ibrahim Isa Musa but then they all led to one final trunk, which was who? 
Prophet Muhammad exactly and he would lead all of humanity then to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to the beauty of Islam and and the tree represents Islam and the fruits of the tree represent the fruits of Islam which is beautiful people on, on, on earth with with beautiful hearts that benefit humanity because fruits are there to benefit humanity and they're a symbol of beauty also similarly the one who is raised they become a beautiful person on earth with a beautiful heart that loves to be kind and to serve and to benefit the world and to make this world a beautiful place what do you think of this analogy does it make sense yes so you see the importance of the trunk very very important that is that that is the significance of prophet muhammad so a little bit about his like name family background so his name was muhammad ibn abdullah follow along right so we're going down that route and then all the way here right i don't expect you to memorize this but uh, why not muhammad ibn abdullah Ibn Abdul Muttalib, Ibn Hashim, Ibn Abd Manaf, Ibn Qusay, Ibn Kilab, Ibn Murra, Ibn Ka'b, Ibn Lu'ay, Ibn Ghalib, Ibn Fihr, Ibn Malik, Ibn Nadar, Ibn Kanana, Ibn Khuzayma, Ibn Mudrika, Ibn Ilyas, Ibn Mudar, Ibn Nizar, Ibn Ma'ad, Ibn Adnan, Ibn Wild Ismail, Ibn Ibrahim. So it goes all the way back to Ibrahim Ali Salam. So we learn here that he was from Sulalat. Ismail one of the sons of Prophet Ibrahim and these are known as the Arabs okay Ibrahim had another Sulala which was Banu Ismail's brother Shisma Ishaq exactly and those are the children of children of Yaqub or children of Israel Ibn, Ibn Ishaq Khan Yaqub and then from him come the children of Israel one of which was Yusuf and then you have Isa salam, Musa salam, Suleiman, Dawood, Ilyas. So many prophets coming from that Bani Israel uh, lineage. And it's important to note that um, Bain Ismail and Muhammad salam, were there any prophets? No. no. So there was like for thousands of years, I don't know how long, a disconnect of prophets in the, in the Arab world, in Mecca specifically. Who built the Kaaba? Ibrahim with Ismail exactly. So that place which was built for Tawheed, over the years what happened to it? Because there were no more prophets after Ibrahim and Ismail passed away, there were no more prophets being sent to that region. So what happened to the Kaaba? The message got distorted so much that Eventually, when the Prophet was born, there were idol worshipping happening there. there was, the Kaaba was surrounded with 360 different idols. Each Arab, Arabian tribe had a specific idol that they worshipped there. So literally the house of oneness and Tawheed became a house of shirk. But 
On the other hand, the children of Israel, did they keep having prophets after prophets after prophets? Yes. So for them, the deen was pretty much fresh. Yani. It was alive. They had scholars. They had books. The Torah and Injil was being studied. They had like... And they were anticipating the arrival of the final prophet. That was mentioned in their books, right? Who was this prophet? Muhammad Yeah. And in fact, like Hatta al-Yahud, they were stationed in Medina. Out of all the places in the world, they, where were they uh, settled? In Medina. Specifically, three, tri three tribes were settled in Medina. Why were they settled in Medina? Waiting for the final prophet. They actually knew wh where he was going to be um, coming. But then what happened when he came? They didn't believe in him. Why? Again? Actually, it was the same message. Yes. One of the big reasons was because he was from a different... He was from the Arabs. And so there was like a... Yani, Disappointment and how come he's not one of us? What do you call that? Ignorance, uh, racism. racism, exactly. Racism, and and by the way, at the root of racism is arrogance, right? When you think that you're better than others, but literally, يعني بنو إسرائيل من كثر النولج اللي صار عندهم, they became arrogant, and they were shocked when he came from the Arabs. For that ego prevented them from accepting the message. So, no, not really, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, so we'll study this. We'll get there, inshallah. It's a good question, though. But we'll learn about Hashem. And uh, we'll learn about these three at least. We won't go all the way back. But Hashim and Abdul Muttalib and Abdullah, they have amazing stories to tell. So we'll start with that maybe next lesson, inshallah. Okay? Today is just like an overview uh, to convince you guys to come next time. So I'm, it's like a sales pitch, right? I'm trying to sell it. Another, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say, yes. Exactly. That means that not because he's one of the sons of Ismail, that means they don't have that power anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. Barakallah feek, yes, 100%. So the Jews and, and the Christians, من كثر العلم being attached to the religion and, and having prophet after prophet coming from their people, they started having this thirst for control and power and authority and all of a sudden this was all going to be lost had they accepted the message of Islam and, and followed the Prophet Muhammad so that wasn't easy and again it's a matter of ego صح? and arrogance and they used to call him هذا النبي الأمي this, this Nabi who can't read or write he's going to be the founder Prophet ego of knowledge like we have knowledge this guy's he can't read or write yeah. by the way just a side note if he's Nabil Ummi does it, does it make him ignorant? No. 
No, so not reading or writing wasn't, wasn't a sign of ignorance back then. It was just simply a skill that you didn't have. The Prophet ﷺ couldn't read or write because he didn't need to read or write back then. Yani someone who doesn't read or write today, it's a problem, صح? Because back then, not everyone needed to read or write. You just needed, in each community, you needed one or two people who could read or write. That was enough, yani. It wasn't a, like, it wasn't a sign of lack of intelligence or ignorance or anything. Ma'adullah. Because a lot of people have that misconception that how can our Prophet be unlettered or ummi? That's not what it was, yani simply could not read or write but he was extremely intelligent extremely well spoken he was a master of language a master of uh, rhetoric oh the ability to speak and to convey the message in in, be- in a beautiful way but this is the chain guys okay and i know this slide like it's gonna make you go crazy but i just wanted to highlight the fact that yani some key people here so you guys see the arrow in fact yeah I have the laser let's use it okay so I want you to pay attention to this name here Abdul Muttalib who was he grandfather okay very important because we're gonna study this so grandfather is there and then that's his father Abdullah and then who else is important here Abu Talib, another uncle of his, very important, okay? Because he, he took care of him after his, his grandfather. Let me just tell you this from now. Muhammad Sallallahu father, Abdullah, died like before he was born. So he was born an orphan, okay? His mother was Amina. Amina and Abdullah were married. They had Muhammad Sallallahu Abdullah died like two months before Amina gave birth. And so he was born yatim. Alam yajidka yatiman fa'awa. Ay surah hadi? Okay. And so, who took care of Muhammad after Abdullah dies? The grandfather, who is like a chief of Quraysh. Like, and we'll study this in detail later. But after Abdul Muttalib dies, who takes care of him? Abu Talib. Okay. So you need to know Abu Talib here, you need to know Abbas, you need to know Hamza. These three were important. And you guys all know Abu Lahab, right? Who was he? Tabbat Yada Abi Lahab Watab. He was the uncle of the Prophet. But يعني, Allah decreed that him and his wife will be of the people of the hellfire because of their extreme enmity to the Prophet. And then you have his wives. We'll talk about why he had so many wives. But his first wife was Khadija anha, and then you know Aisha and others came along, and then he had four daughters and how many sons? Three: Qasim, Abdullah, and Ibrahim. And the daughters were Fatima, Ruqayya, Kulthum, and Zainab. So, I expect you to memorize at least what I shared with you—not the whole table, but at least who the grandfather was, who were the main uncles, who were his. Uh, Wives, you don't have to memorize, يعني, but you should know Khadija and Aisha at least, anhuma, and then uh, daughters, four daughters, three sons. By the way, side note, all his children died in the life of the Prophet except for one. Who knows who, who survived like during his life? Fatima, yeah. and she died 
How long after him? A couple of months, six months after him. She couldn't, she couldn't, uh, you know, live that long. So just try to imagine, Yani, the Prophet Sallam, his, his wife, number one, dies. His uncle dies. They will study about this. Uh, sorry, his grandfather dies. And then through, throughout his life, all three daughters die except for Fatima. And then all three sons die. Can you imagine like a father going through that? A husband going through all of that? Just try for a second, just try to like put yourself in that situation. Three sons, all of them gone. Four daughters, three of them gone. What are some uh, meanings that are coming out of this? Patience, Rila, acceptance. Exactly, yeah. There's no monarchy system and Wild Flan or Alan, yeah. But just the pain of a father, right? The pain of a husband. Yani, we all have problems. Sahulala. Some of us have relationship problems, health problems, financial problems. What are other, some other examples of problems? Did I cover all of them? Relationships, financial and health. Bad fiche? Career issues, which is kind of financially, right? Yeah. Family, bad relationships, yani. Any other problems? Injustice, whatever. But when you compare your problems to just this one glimpse of the Prophet's suffering of losing pretty much all his children and you know his favorite wife, makes our problems big or small? Tiny, right? So the praiseworthy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Sharh وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ Just think about this uh, for a second. What do we say? She didn't even go to the adhan. After Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ لَلَّهِ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّا لَا إِلَهَ لَلَّهِ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّا مُحَمَّدًا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Right? This is being recited in the adhan. Uh, five times a day, صح? <coughs> you know how it works, right? Like the, uh, the Adhan timing throughout the entire earth, what's happening to it? Warabad, صح? يعني أذن هني بعدين شوي شوي أذن في مكان ثاني and then أذن في مكان ثالث If you just thought about this idea in ترى الأذان is being the call to prayer is being Recited 24-7 All around earth Non-stop And somewhere In the world right now The Mu'adhan is saying Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah His name is being called Right now And it's going to be called after one minute And it's going to be called after three minutes like Non-stop This is one meaning of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has raised the station of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
how significant he is in yani ism ism rasul muhammad just try to comprehend this idea and allah chose and muhammad name should be mentioned with his name non-stop until the end of time literally like it's pretty amazing isn't it and same thing is happening in our salawat yani. we're praying five times a day every, like literally now like i don't know hundreds of millions of people are praying and they're in their tashahad what are they saying so it's being heard in Adhan, it's, we're saying it in our prayers. His name is being mentioned constantly. That's one of the meanings of Muhammad, the one who is praised constantly, non-stop. And it comes from Hamd, right? Which means to praise and to be grateful for. So Allah chose this name for him. And then his name in the Quran is not mentioned many times, by the way, only four times. And there is one surah named after him, Surah Muhammad. One could argue, Lish, يعني, isma only four times. Who is the most mentioned prophet? Musa. Musa, exactly. So Allah speaks to him in different ways without using his name. Why? He's been, actually he's being spoken to exactly he's actually the recipient of the message exactly he talks to him like in, in uh, second person ya ayyuhal nabi ya ayyuhal rasul qul right qul huwa allah qul huwa qul a'udhu bi rabbil fadha qul like say literally so Allah's talking to him in, in second person doesn't need to mention his name but he's mentioned as Ahmed in one context when Isa salam refers to him as the coming final prophet. Shilfar bin Ahmed wa Muhammad. The root word is the same, Hamd, praise. But Ahmed is the most praised. And it's Ahsan Akla. Al Afwal Shaqs. Extreme. So extremely praised versus constantly praised Muhammad. Clear? And then, Ya Ayyuhan Nabi also. More than 15 times in the Quran. Compared to other prophets, very, very interesting here how, the prophet, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, different to the way he speaks to other prophets. For example, other prophets, he would say, Ya Musa, Ya Nuh, Ya Ibrahim. But not once has he said, Ya Muhammad. He always addresses him as, Ya Ayyuhal Nabi. Ya Ayyuhal Rasul. What is that? Uh, what's the significance of that? It was special and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like honored him and, and the way he spoke to him. When he says Ya Nuh or Ya Musa, Allah doesn't disrespect the prophets, but, but Prophet Muhammad had a special kind of honor to his name. So these are some subtleties that I, I think are important to note. And of course, one of the benefits of studying Sirah is, is understanding the importance of loving obedience.
Mm. Yeah, obedience requires discipline. Fa, what is the Arabic word for loving obedience? Ta'a, exactly. It's actually al kurha, hating to do something. Yeah. So the love aspect is very important. You do it lovingly. You you obey him lovingly. Taw'an aw karhan in the Quran, Allah says. Uh, Allah doesn't expect us to do anything hatefully. It should all come from love. <clears throat> so Allah tells the Prophet قُلْ Say to them إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهَ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهَ O Prophet, say to them If you claim to love Allah, then follow me and Allah will love you. وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ And He will forgive all your sins. وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ So what are we learning here? Very important lesson. Exactly, and to follow Him, yeah? So Allah didn't say, إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَأَحِبُّ الرَّسُولِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ What did He say? فَاتَّبِعُونِي Follow me, right? So, Tiba' comes from obedience also, following. And this is very important. يعني, the Sahaba had a famous term that they would use. Sami'na wa ata'na. We hear and we obey. That was what made them so special. يعني, yes, they would question when they didn't understand, but the questioning came from wanting to know not from criticism or resistance or questioning in the sense of uh, no, this doesn't make sense. No, it was always always very sincere questioning, you know. Ya Rasulullah, of course we'll do it, but just explain to us why. إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ Allah, If you claim to love Allah, do we all claim to love Allah? Allah is telling us what the key is. You love Allah, follow the Prophet Allah will love you back. What's the hidden meaning here? If you claim to love Allah but you don't follow the Prophet, then the love is not real. Yani. So you see how significant loving the Prophet is? It's, it's critical. Yani. Very, very important. And how will the love come? Is when you know him. You cannot love someone you don't know. Who recently got engaged or got married recently? You? How long did you get to know your husband to be? Or how how long? A couple of years. Why? She's smart. Why? She has to know who she's gonna commit to, right? Especially these days. It takes a while to find out the reality of a person. فَمَابَالْكُمْ الرَّسُولِ يعني how can we claim? How can we attain that love if we don't know him and to know him we got to put some time and effort from our busy schedules yes or no yes. inshallah am I doing well in selling like the next class yes. yeah okay good so I love this uh, hadith a man came to the Prophet and he said oh messenger of Allah by Allah, Wallahi, 
I love you more than myself, more than my family and wealth. You are more beloved to me than my children. I would be in my house and remember you until I cannot wait to see you. When I remember my death and your death, I know you will enter paradise with the status of the prophets. But if I enter paradise, I'm afraid I will not see you. The Prophet did not answer him with anything until Jibreel alayhi salam was sent this verse. Tkhaylo, yani ayah nizlet to comfort this man. Ul ayah shino wa man yuti'i allaha wal rasoola fa ulaika ma'al ladhina an'am allahu alayhim min al-nabiyyina wa siddiqina wa shuhada'i wa salihin. Literally good news came down from above seven heavens for this man. Now don't worry, Tara. If you do one thing, وَمَنْ يُطِعِ اللَّهَ وَالرَّسُولِ Notice, Allah وَالرَّسُولِ It's not Allah أو الرسول. It's not just Allah alone. Allah and the Prophet. Because it's two sides of the same coin. صح ولا لا? How can you obey Allah and disobey the Prophet? You can't, man. It's the same message. At the same time, it's so simple. Just follow Allah and the Prophet and you will be with the VIPs of Jannah. The Nabiyeen, Siddiqeen, Shuhada, Salihin. Literally. I'm sure this man, it's not difficult. And notice what his worry was. His worry was that he wouldn't see his Prophet in Jannah, but... Allah's uh, making it easy, right? Uh, trick question. Is it easy to follow Allah and the Prophet? Yeah. Votes. How many of you believe yes? Is it easy to, to do Allah wa Rasul? Is it easy to obey Allah and the Prophet? Okay. Is it difficult to obey Allah and the Prophet? Yeah, I expect it. Yani. yeah, yani. Of course, no, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Let's let's talk about it for those who think it's difficult. Why why is it difficult? Yeah, I mean, for example, each one of us got their own world, their own routine, their own way of living. And when it comes to religion or Islam, that's a way of living on its own. Mm. Uh, and uh, what you're saying is the, the lifestyle change is difficult. Yeah, and yeah. basically to follow a religion as you're supposed to 100%, let's say. Mm. Yani religion to me is not just praying or listening. Yeah, mm. There's way more to it. And this is where it becomes. Exactly. Yeah. Anyone else? What are the challenges? Yes. It's much easier to Mm. Temptations, desires. Yes.
Yes, Noor. Yeah, no doubt Allah is extremely merciful and kind. <clears throat> and I think one of the qualities of the Sahaba, inshallah, as we study Sirah, we'll get to know how much the Sahaba loved the Prophet. And in one hadith, Umar, who's pretty high up there, right? He, he goes and tells the Prophet that, Oh Rasulullah, I love you more than my wealth, my family, my children. And then uh, the Prophet asked him, what about, do you love me more than yourself? And Umar, very, it's very amazing that he was honest. He said, no, Ya Rasulullah, not yet. And so then yani, he steps back and he does some introspection. And then when he gets it right, he says, now Ya Rasulullah, now... I love you more than myself. And then the Prophet ﷺ told him, Al-Ana Ya Umar. Now, Ya Umar, you have, you have true faith. Because, you know, the next hadith is a bit, uh, it clarifies this hadith, right, of, of Umar. So the Prophet ﷺ said, La yu'minu ahadukum hatta akuna ahabba ilayhi min walidihi wa waladihi wa nasi ajma'een. That none of you truly believes. This, by the way, this hadith doesn't mean you don't believe. It means your, your iman is not complete. Your iman is not complete until you love the Prophet ﷺ more than your parents, your children, and all, all of humanity, all people. And I think this is, what the, this is the formula that the Sahaba applied. 
once you reach this level of love and it's not really love it's actually obsession obsession with this man obsession with like pleasing him and following him once you reach that level then خلاص يعني بايع الدنيا you know like they say بايع الدنيا وشاري الآخرة خلاص you've, you've bought آخرة you've sold this world I agree it's not easy guys يعني بس at the same time be, be kind to yourselves um, take it one step at a time the Prophet was extremely gentle in his approach um, his message lasted how many years? Many years. 23 years. 13 years in Mecca and 10 years in Medina. Okay? And by the way, all the rulings of Halal and Haram, when did they come? Very late in Medina. Which means, what did he spend doing in the first 13 years in Mecca? Exactly. Iman and akhlaq and love of Allah and the Prophet and and, and detachment from this world and like like their hearts were filled with love of Allah and the Prophet and uh, attachment to Akhara, no dunya like love and then for them like later on in Medina when it came to rules do this don't do that like, it was a piece of cake for them he was very gentle like had to alcohol like Sahaba used to drink alcohol like crazy yani. and uh, the Quran came tadrijiyan to gradually, gently prohibit this uh, act. Why? Because Allah knows that this habit is not easy to quit. Don't drink while you're praying. You know, prayer... Uh, uh, it has benefits and it has harms uh, and its sin is more than its benefits. And then the last one was It's, uh, you know, it's something filthy so just stay away from it. So, yeah, be easy on yourself, be gentle because that's how the Prophet was. His uh, two main qualities was Ra'ufun <clears throat> Rahim. Sympathetic, extremely kind, I think is the right word. Extremely kind. And Rahim, merciful, forgiving, overlooking. <clears throat> you know? And then I've just listed some ayat. Ya yulladhina amanu ati'ullah wa ati'ur rasul. All over the Quran, right? Ati'ullah wa rasul. Always, Allah and Rasul come together. Am I block, blocking part of the slide, by the way? No. Just a little bit, right? It's okay. Okay, he touches our lives. <clears throat> and here, we were just speaking about this. Harisun alaykum. He's extremely uh, thoughtful of you. Haris, yani shuna haris. Protective over you, watchful, exactly. Rahim. What does it mean? From yourselves, yeah, from your soul. He's. Don't think, yeah, he's far from you. Don't think he's from like another planet. He's from from among you. 
He's one of you. He understands you. And this one I love also. وَاعْلَمُوا أَنَّ فِيكُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ So in the first one, Allah says, جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولُ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ And here in Surah Al-Hujurat, He's saying, وَاعْلَمُوا You better know أَنَّ فِيكُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ What does that mean? فِيكُمْ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Within you. Among, amongst you. Within you. How is He within us and amongst us? Exactly. Exactly. When you follow his characteristics, you portray him, you remember him, you knowingly, unknowingly, he's among you. His sunnah is alive. It's the fact that you sit and you drink water, that's fikum Rasulullah, because that's the way he drank. The fact that you go to the washroom and clean yourself, that's fikum Rasulullah, it's his sunnah. There's so many things, so many parts of Sunnah that we apply, yet we don't like, we're not aware of, you know. It's really amazing. Fikum Rasulullah. And then, Innama bu'ithtu li utammima makarim al akhlaq. The Prophet was sent to perfect akhlaq, utammim, perfection. Yeah? That was his main goal, main objective. If you were to Someone was to ask you, what was the mission of the Prophet ﷺ? It wasn't a political uh, mission. You know, a lot of religion has become political, right? His mission was how to perfect hearts. How to perfect characters. How to purify hearts. Because at the end of the day, that's what Allah is going to look at, by the way. Of course, of course. And then this beautiful hadith where the Prophet said, وَدَدْتُ أَنِّي لَقِيتُ إِخْوَانِي One day he's sitting with the Sahaba and he's, he's telling them that I really miss my brothers. I wish I could meet my brothers. And, and sisters, of course. Like, it doesn't mean brothers as in بَسِلْ بَسْبَيَانِ the Sahaba are like, Ya Rasulullah, what, what are you saying? Like, we're, we're here. What do you mean you miss your brothers? Aren't we your brothers? He said, no, 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 you are my, antum ashabi, you are my companions. My brothers are those who believe in me, although they never saw me. So who is he, who is he speaking about? Us, exactly. And literally, the Prophet more than 1400 years ago was missing us he was thinking about us he is looking forward to meet us how does that make you feel amazing right so another thing that has happened in a lot of books of seerah Unfortunately, is that like, especially the Madani period, you like study about like how it starts off with Ghazwat Badr and then Ghazwat Uhud and Khandaq and like one war after another, one battle after another and battle and battle and battle. And, and that's true. The Prophet ﷺ during the Madani period fought 27 battles. Okay. But 
how long was the Madani period? 10 years, okay? So let's do the math. Who's good in math? Oh, Amen. Mahad? Talal calculators. Yani, if on average, how long would a war last? A battle. It's not a war, a battle. And let's say three weeks, yeah, 20 days. Do the math, yalla. 27 times 20 days. Chamiom. It's 1.4 years. How long was the Madani period? 10 years. What about the remaining 93%? We often don't really learn about what else happened in the Madani period. Kill a battle, 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 battle. Fatih Mecca, the Prophet dies. Assalamu alaikum. Astaghfirullah. I think it's a bit distorted. What I aim to do, inshallah, may Allah give us life to reach the Madani period. I don't know when. That's, I want to show you what happened besides the battles. Yes, we need to know the battles, but we also need to know what happened in the remaining 93% of the time. And this distortion happens all the time, even in like uh, Quran. Like, um, how many verses of Quran are there? Around 6,000 plus. Okay. How many verses of the Quran are law and halal and haram? Just 7% around. Yani. 93% is what? Iman billah, akhlaq, stories, how to build our yaqeen, how to be patient, how to deal with uh, calamities and tragedy, how to be grateful, how to reflect on Allah's creation, how to... Yeah. <clears throat> Same thing with hadith, by the way. 93% of hadith is all about akhlaq and beautiful character. Just 7% is... Halal, haram, and do this and do that. And so if you look at Isa alayhi salam, you can't... Yes, he was an amazing prophet, but you can't see him as a role model for you as a father. Yeah. Or as a husband. You can't. Uh, Sulaiman alayhi salam, you can see him as like... Yes, a role model for like a king who was very grateful and just, but you cannot see him as someone who is poor at one stage of his life the Prophet was both rich and poor at one stage they had to tie their stomachs with rocks so that they wouldn't feel the hunger during the boycott years we'll study about that inshallah and he lived a very simple life although he could afford like a good life but he decided to live a very simple life um, so you can't see that in Sulaiman you can see it in the Prophet you know so just some examples of how merciful he was with like children. For example, Abdullah bin Abbas, just at 12 years old. Can you imagine this? The, like the leader of the ummah spending time going to a 12-year-old and going into his ears and making dua for him. And he says to him, Allah, he makes a dua, Allahumma faqihhu fiddeen wa'allimhu ta'wil. And Abdullah, Abdullah bin Abbas says, I, I will never forget that dua. So yani, he would touch the lives of people in, in amazing ways. What about us? Like what kind of, are we, are we that present with people around us these days? 
اليهال يعني نعطيهم وجه ولا just give them the iPad ويلا مع السلامة right he was like very very present with the people around him another beautiful story Jabir ibn Abdullah so in one of the battles called Dhat al-Riqa' okay uh, they finished the battle they're coming back <coughs> going back to Medina the Prophet ﷺ notices that Jabir ibn Abdullah is falling f- behind the, uh, the rest of the army. Why? Because his camel is very old, so it's slow. For the Prophet ﷺ lets the, ba- lets the army go and he slows down to accompany Jabir. And um, they start a conversation and you know the Prophet, tell, the Prophet ﷺ tells him, so uh, did you get married Jabir? And he says, yeah Rasulullah, I did. Notice, what is the Prophet I'm doing? Conversating with someone who's falling back behind, slow camel, old camel, about something very private, صح It shows you how intimate he was with them. And so the Prophet asked him, so was she a virgin or was she like, uh, you know, not? So he says, no, Ya Rasulullah, she was not a virgin. Um, I had to marry someone a bit old because my dad died in, in a battle in Uhud and I had nine sisters at home in the house so I needed someone mature to take care of the house and help with my sisters so the Prophet tells him Jabir what about this camel of yours like uh, will you sell it to me uh, Jabir is like uh, yeah sure Ya Rasulullah of course like I need some cash <laughs> so he offers him a dirham back then the camels their, their price is like around 300 dirhams 400 dirhams is it? not, not uh, Emirati dirhams but like the Arab dirhams so he, t- he said one dirham as a joke and then Jabir is like no Ya Rasulullah haram alayk yani a bit more. So the Prophet said, I'll give you two dirhams. And Jabir said, Ya Rasul, just take him if, you, if that's what you're going to give me. I don't want your money. <coughs> but what's the process I'm doing? He's using a bit of sense of humor to change his mood. And then, uh, anyway, he says, Inshallah, when we reach Medina, there will be khair for you. So he, they're reaching Medina now and he tells the entire army to, to stop, literally. He stops the entire army and he tells someone to go and tell Jabir's wife that Jabir is coming so that she can dress up for him and prepare for him. Can you imagine this? Entire army being stopped so that Jabir can go to his wife and you know how it is, like, Usually, when the husband is out, long day at work, or they're traveling for a long time, when they come home, what do they want to see? Like, in what state do they want to see their wives? Not in her pajamas with like messy hair and like, dressed up and uh, attractive, you know? He gave. Uh, he gave that instruction 
And at the same time, he told Bilal Rabaha, here's 600 dirhams, go give it to Jabir and tell him to keep the camel. But what do we learn from this story? So many lessons, صح? You can actually write a book just about this, this story. And this is just one example of the compassion and the sympathy uh, and the generosity, al-hirs, we were saying, looking, looking over one sahabi. And now imagine Jabir's love for the Prophet. What happened to that love now? Different levels, صح? خلاص يعني. But this is the kind of uh, leadership that the Prophet ﷺ practiced. It's unmatched, guys. Wallah, yani. Um, look at look at like for example, uh, our CEOs today and chairmen and stuff. Like, you'd be lucky if if he says hi to you, yani. صح? But this shows you the humility and the extreme kindness of the Prophet In Uhud, when he is uh, bleeding to death and nearly dying, yani, literally, like Sahaba were covering him and taking on the swords as he was being bleeding. What does he do? He makes dua for the people. Allahumma ihdi qawmi fa'annahum la ya'lamun. Oh Allah, guide my people for they don't know what they're doing. Imagine this, hatta with his enemies, he's praying for them. And like after Fath Mecca at the end, when he's facing all his enemies who were against him and cursed him and called him all sorts of names and tried to kill him, he's, he sets them all free. Idhabu fa'antum tulaqa. You know, just go, you're all set free. And during the conquest of Mecca, a, a guy named Fudala is doing tawaf and the Prophet is doing tawaf in front of him. Okay? And what does Fudala have in his, in his ihram hidden? A khanjar, a, a, a dagger. What's his intention? To kill the Prophet. And so he's walking behind the Prophet and the Prophet looks back at him and says, Fudala, what's, what's going on in your heart? What are you intending? And he said, Nothing, Ya Rasulullah, I'm doing tawaf with you. He asks him a second time, he asks him a third time. And then the Prophet turns to him and places his Blessed hand on his heart, on Fudala's heart. And then after a while he removes his hand and Fudala swears, he says, Wallahi, before he placed his hand on my heart, he was the most hated man to me. But after he removed his hand, he was the most beloved person to me in this world. So this is the Prophet you know, this is the power of his presence. And he had extreme farasa. Who knows what farasa means? No. Close. Yes. It's at a level of intelligence where just by seeing someone you can tell what this person is good at and you can give them instruction. That he would... And imagine like if he was alive today, this would make our lives so much more easier, right? He would say, Rayana, you go and do this. 
فلان يو يور جود ان ذس جو دو ذات خلاص يعني بالنسبه لنا لايف بيكمز سو ماتش ايزير رايت كوز يو هاف دايركشن خلاص يو نوت سيرشينج فور يور بيربس ومادري شنو اند جولز خلاص جست جو دو ذس ميشن يعني فولو ذا ميشن سو هي وود سي تو ابو بكر ارحم امتي ابو بكر واقواهم في الحق عمر واكثرهم حياء عثمان وامين الامه ابو عبيده واعلمهم بالحلال والحرام معاذ and so every sahabi would be given a specific direction you know he, he was extremely uh, yani accurate with guiding people to do what they were best at you know hatta one of the sahaba sahaba he was a poet hassan ibn thabit his role was to motivate the sahaba during times of difficulties isn't that amazing yeah so that leadership quality is also very very unique for him Yes. Yeah, so just Abu Bakr was known as very very soft and very kind to to his people and in general as a character and yeah. very very gentle, very soft. And Umar radhiyallahu anhu was the opposite, like he was like the tough one. But subhanallah after the Prophet Sallallahu died, Abu Bakr Siddiq became the 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 first khalifa. He toughened up He had to like toughen up because people started not paying zakah and there were all sorts of weirdos who were claiming to be prophets and stuff. So he had to be tough with them to maintain this, the sanctity of the deen and you know. Whereas Umar was tough before the Prophet died. After he became Khalifa, what happened to him? He, soft, he softened up, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Tufail al-Dawsi also comes to the Prophet and says that uh, Ya Rasulullah, these people, they're cursing you in, in my tribe, al-Dawsi. And he, he said, Ana, like, Lam I wasn't sent to curse people. I was sent rahmatan. Ana rahmatan. Allahumma ahdi And he makes dua for them. Once a drunk youth is, uh, comes to the Prophet a drunk youth comes to the Prophet And the Sahaba are like cursing him and judging him and all sorts of things. And the Prophet ﷺ tells them, لا تلعنوه, Don't curse him. إنه يحب الله ورسوله. Verily, he loves Allah and the Prophet. So you see how he dealt with different people in like such gentle ways. Even his own poet once he said that, Ya Rasulullah, I'm very good in poetry. I, I can make poetry about our enemies and I can do it's called hija right which means making fun of the enemy and um, cursing the enemy in poetry and he told him these are my people how can you curse them how kind and gentle and compassionate he was these are just some glimpses And of course, we all know that يعني, he became a prophet at the age of 40. But before that, his reputation in Mecca was so amazing. And he was known as As-Sadiq Al-Ameen. The truthful and the trustworthy. Halayam, is it easy to find trustworthy people and, and honest people? So earning that title is a, يعني, it's a big thing.
to be known in the entire city as the, the truthful, the, I mean, it's a big, big thing. And he never lied, never broke a, a promise or a trust. And this is also amazing, right? So, the Prophet ﷺ, during the, the years of, it's called Sulh al-Hudaybiyah, it was like a treaty where like, there was no war for a couple of years. He would send letters to kings, okay? So one of the kings that was, that was sent a letter was the Roman king back then. His name was Hiraql, okay? I don't know, how do they pronounce that? Is it Hercules or, I don't know, yeah. So, Hiraqal gets the letter and it says this is from Muhammad Rasulullah, from the Messenger of Allah. And, and Hiraqal, what's his religion? Christianity, yeah? Hardcore Christian believer. But with a, yani, with a good heart, okay? So he asks for someone from Arabia to like come and uh, he wanted to question him, do, do like an interview. But he said, I want to speak to someone very close to Muhammad. He does some investigation, and by chance, the chief of Quraysh, Abu Sufyan, is very close to his town and he is riding a caravan. He sent his people, Bring Abu Sufyan to me. I want to ask him questions about who? Muhammad. Who is he going to ask questions? Abu Sufyan. Who is Abu Sufyan? The chief of Quraysh. What does that mean? The number one enemy of the Prophet ﷺ, literally, okay. For notice, this is the this is the dialogue, okay. So Hiraqal asks him, "Fakayfa nasabahu fikum? What is his lineage among you?" And Abu Sufyan has to be honest, right? He says, "Hu afina du nasab." He is from a very very high lineage. He was from Quraysh, from Banu Hashim, very very elite family in in Arabia, okay. Question number two: Hal yakdhab? Does he lie? Abu Sufyan says no. Hal yagdur? Does he betray? Abu Sufyan says no. Hiraqal asks: Fahal ashabah yazidun am yanqusun? Do his followers increase with time, or do they decrease with time? Abu Sufyan says no. They they increase with time. And then he asked, does any of them, after accepting Islam, turn back away from Islam? He says, no. And then he asked them, what does he command them? بِمَاذَا يَأْمُرُهُمْ what, what, what are his demands? What is he preaching? So Abu Sufyan says four things. As-salah, al-sidq, al-afaf, wa salat al-raham. Salah we all know, صح? Sidq we all know. شنو العفاف? شنو العفة? Purity and modesty, yes. Purity and modesty. Uh, modesty. And Salat al-Raham يعني شنو? Exactly. Keeping ties with family. Okay? Just these four things. And then Hercules says, إِنَّ الْ if this is really who Muhammad is, then one day he is going to take my seat, take my throne. 
ف يعني the Prophet ﷺ would say أنا سيد ابن آدم ولا فخر I am the the master of all of children of Adam ولا فخر but I'm not I'm not proud of it you know without arrogance he says it he is the master there is no one that can beat that character even his number one enemy is speaking about him with with honesty يعني and this is really who he is يعني ترى ما ريال ما عليه أي يعني كلام literally he passes and, and ticks all the marks okay for, for this one I wanted to play a video the description of the Prophet we're coming to an end inshallah I'm getting hungry now so uh, I just want to make sure that the sound is on inshallah is it going to be on you think Wallah. Are you guys getting bored or what? Sure? Shall I try it? Okay, this is not working. I guess we'll just. Madre, well, I don't know. Yabila, shway technical. But we'll do that next next class, inshallah. Sifat al Nabi, and it's important to know what he looks like and all. <coughs> but I'll just end with this, inshallah, okay? As Salah al Nabi, okay? So how do we do Salat al-Nabi? 
there's different ways. I've displayed to you one way. Allahumma. It's really a dua. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. You want to say it with me? Yalla. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. It's a dua. You're asking Allah to praise the Prophet Muhammad and his family and his companions and to perfect them in peace. Okay? Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ahzab says something really, really um, profound about this concept of salawat. He says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا I want you to just like pause and think about this for a second. Allah and all the angels, how many angels are there? A lot, yeah. A gazillion angels, yeah, wide, okay. Allah and the angels, all of them are Sending salawat, yusalluna ala nabi. They're praying for the Prophet constantly. And he's telling us, Ya ladina amanu, all you who claim to believe, you also send salawat on the Prophet. Sorry, what's salawat? So salah is um, on from the context of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's uh, sending mercy. Praising praising the Prophet. Praising him and and uh, exalting his his name, basically. The Prof- Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is praising the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Shouldn't praise, yani. I don't think it's an action. By the way, if I'm not mistaken, it's not an action. So, so we have to understand from three angles. Okay, when Allah does salah, is something. When the angels does salah, when the angels do salah, it's something. And then we, when we do salah, it's something else. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does salah on the Prophet it is more of a ta'zeem and uh, yani praising his existence basically. Exactly, honoring, yes. Okay? When, before, when we do it, when the angels do it, it is istighfar for the Prophet Okay? And when we do it, it is dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises his station. So, the fact that Allah and the angels are doing this, first lesson we learn is that the Prophet, does he need us to do salawat on him or not? No, Allah and the angels are already doing it. Number two, it makes us realize that, well, if Allah and the, and the angels are doing it and Allah told us to do it, then when we do it, what are we doing? When we're doing salawat, when we're making salawat, then we are, we're actually obeying Allah's command. Because what, what did Allah actually do in the first ayah? He commanded us. Ya, ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, sallu alayhi. Is that a command or no? Command. Yeah. And then, this is really interesting. He says, the Prophet ﷺ, none of you who sends me their salam, except that Allah returns my soul and I return him his greeting of peace. So every time you say Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam 
Allah returns the, the soul of the Prophet to him and he sends salam back to you. Literally, like your salam reaches him and it comes back. Is that amazing or no? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So when you say salam, like if I say salamu alaykum to you, what will you do? Yes, and what is assalamu alaykum when I say, what does that mean? May peace be on you. It's a dua, right? I'm wishing peace for you. And when you re respond to me, you're wishing peace for me. So I made dua for you, you made, you made dua for me. Is that a beautiful thing or no? Now imagine if you say the same thing to the Prophet ﷺ. You send your salat to him. He is actually responding back to you with the same dua. And you individually. How many of you have been to Masjid al-Nabawi and, and said like salam to the Prophet from there? Okay, a few of you. May, uh, the rest of you, may Allah give you that chance. Yani. So f anyone wants to share their experience of when they went and said salam? Would you want to share? No, it's very private. Anyone would want to share like how it was? Very spiritual experience. You actually feel his presence in the, just by entering Medina. You feel his presence. Okay. So instead of, yeah, what we're learning from this is that you don't have to go all the way to Medina to send that salam and experience that, يعني, that whole thing, right? You can actually just by sitting here experience that yourself. If you, if you really internalize this meaning that he's actually saying salam back to you. Now, <coughs> building on this, Allah in Surah Al-Ahzab also tells us, هُوَ الَّذِي يعني Allah, هُوَ الَّذِي يُصَلِّ عَلَيْكُمْ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ لِيُخْرِجَكُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ Allah is also praising us and the angels are also praising us to take us from darkness out into the light. وَكَانَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَحِيمًا So now a uh, question. Allah told us in the first ayah that I and the angels, are, I'm, do, I'm doing salawat on the Prophet. You guys also do salawat on the Prophet How do we say salawat to the Prophet yeah, so we start off with Allahumma salli, صح? Why are we asking Allah to send salawat on the Prophet? Whereas Allah actually told us to send salawat on Him directly. Exactly. For one meaning of this is the only way to send salah to the Prophet is through Allah. Yeah, that's another honor for Him. And then the other other benefit of knowing this is because in another hadith, Man salatan biha ashran. This is where we understand now what's going on. When you send salah on the Prophet, he sends uh, Allah sends salah on us ten times. Okay? And the previous ayah, what did we learn? That Allah and the angels send salah to us. Why? What's the objective of that? 
to take us from darknesses to the light. So when we say Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam once, what is Allah going to do? Take us from darkness, from our darknesses into the light ten times. So if you say Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam ten times, how many times would Allah take you out from darkness into light? A hundred. If you say it a hundred times, thousand. How many of you want to get out from the darkness into the light? We all need that, don't we? If there's one thing that you want to do in your life is to add a word of, a daily word. Word means like a, a, a ritual, a practice, a repetitive practice of sending salah on the Prophet ﷺ. Like, how long will it take for you to do it a uh, hundred times in a row? Five minutes. Five minutes. Can you take five minutes out of your busy, busy schedule for this? Is it worth it? And then of course the ulama say also the adab of dua. When you make dua, always start with hamd of Allah and then salah on the Prophet Make your dua and then end it with salah also on the Prophet That's a very good adab of making dua. Even if you didn't get any benefit of salah, doesn't he still deserve for us to spend salah on him? Okay, so let's, let's do an exercise together and then we can end this. I want you all to close your eyes and participate in this. We're going to practice doing salah on the Prophet in a, in a meditative way. Okay? And I, the way I teach you, I want to try to do it alone every day inshallah. Be aware of your breath as you breathe in and out. Try to breathe in and out from your nose. Notice your breath as it goes in and out through your nose. Notice as you inhale, the air is slightly cold and as you exhale, it's slightly warm. I want you to imagine when you inhale, this cool air is actually a brilliant white light that's going all the way into your heart, lighting up your heart. And the warm air is dark, cloudy smoke that's coming out from your heart, out through your nose. So you're inhaling cool light, exhaling dark smoke. Okay, good. Now I want you to start repeating the salawat silently from your heart without moving your lips or making any sound. And just be aware of your heart and feel it. Feel the love of Rasulullah in your heart. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Just keep repeating it. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin 
Remember that Allah and the angels are doing the same with you right now. You are joining them in this praise. And remember that he's saying his salam back to you. And remember with every salah that you sent to him, Allah is taking you out from darkness into light ten times. Alright, you can open your eyes inshallah and with this we conclude. Subhanakallah bihamdik, nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, nasaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.